and we've gathered here together again on a Wednesday to look into the dipshit files. Welcome to episode 42. I'm Mr. Scriptkeeper. And I'm Mrs. Scriptkeeper. And I'm a dork. I, I dork these things. Did you? I dork these a lot. Did you stumble your way? I did. All right. This is The Drifters, and this yes. is about four serial killers that uh, have a nomadic life. So let's pull the fucking file out of the motherfucking cabinet, throw it on the fucking table, and look at it, shall we? Yes, we shall. Okay. Two weeks we've looked into the dipshits of the world, mm-hmm. and this week we've got four extra ones. Yeah, so I don't even know how many four, dipshits we've looked th- at. There's four more. Yeah. yeah. So these guys are these were compiled by our quartermaster, mm-hmm. uh, Bodhi Sanyata. Yeah. And these are they all share something, which mm-hmm. is that they all drift. they're drifters. They're yeah. like in the wind kind of guys. Yeah. They move in, do some killing, move out, and then move on out like plague. Yeah. Or a fart. Terrible. <laughs> like a virus. What am I talking about? I don't, I don't really know. I don't either. Um, but I'm ex- Tell me what I'm supposed to be talking about. Ex- I have no idea what's about to happen. <laughs> Just like you guys. I have no idea. I'm introducing the show and I'm like, I don't know what it's <laughs> about. Four guys. <laughs> Most likely guys. Are they all guys? All right. We're going to start off. Uh, Are they all guys? Uh, yes. Okay. That's all okay. I needed to know. See, there's, that's all I know. You guys were all equal now. We're going to start off with a, a, a man named Anthony Lorette. Okay. The Dipshit Files present. The Drifters, script by Bodhi Sinyata. All right, so Anthony Lorette. Mm. Honestly, Anthony's a pretty boring and uneventful dipshit. What are we doing? Outside of an episode of Paul is on and his Wikipedia page and a book out there that's not really even about his life, but about what? one of his victims. Okay, so this dipshit is off the radar. So here's what we know about this dipshit from the limited resources we have. Okay. Anthony Joe Lorette Jr. was born October 1st, 1951. The biographical details about his childhood and up bringing are very scarce. That's because nobody gave a shit about kids in the 50s. <laughs> That's my dad's era. My mom and dad's era. Nobody gave a shit about he what li- they did. Yeah, hey, Special Agent Johnson, do you have any memorabilia of your child at all? No. Nope. Like any old pictures or anything? No, nope, burned them. Uh, do you have anything that maybe he owned, like a baseball glove? Nope, or- I burned all his baseball stuff. Wow, really? Why? Fuck kids. That's why. The greatest generation, they did not like their kids. Say what you want about baby boomers, they got weird love. Sorry, back to the drifter. He lived in St. Petersburg, Florida from the age of 5 to 16 and later was a drifter and he'd often return home. Uh, thanks to the interviews and confessions before his execution, we know of at least 15 additional homicides Ooh. for certain that have been closed. In all, Anthony confessed to 31 murders and 10 rapes that he committed across 11 states. Oh, Yeah, so the first one, the murder of Mary Fleming. All right. On July 25th, 1980, Anthony Lorette attacked 18-year-old Mary Fleming in the apartment she shared with her mother and her sister. She later died of injuries from this brutal attack. This murder is the killing that led to the arrest of Lorette and ultimately to his confession of his life of murder and rape. Mary lived with her mother and sister in an apartment complex in St. Charles, Missouri. The morning of the 25th, her mother left for work at about 6.30 a.m. and her sister left approximately a half an hour later, leaving Mary alone and asleep in bed. At 10.30 a.m., Mary, wearing a bikini top and cut-off jean shorts, went to a neighboring grocery store to cash a check and buy some groceries. 
During this time, witnesses saw a cream-colored convertible driven by a lone white male slowly circling the neighborhood. Sometime between 10.30 a.m. and 11 a.m., a friend of Mary Fleming's named Mary Ellen Somerville. Another Mary Ellen. <laughs> called, I'm already confused. Called the Fleming residence where an unknown man answered the phone. When he asked who was calling, she identified herself, and the unknown male said he would have to have Mary call her back, and then he hung up on her. According to Mary Ellen, the man seemed to be laughing or something, being in a good mood, maybe drinking. She immediately redialed the number, but this time no one answered. At approximately 11 a.m., a man identified as Lorette was seen running from the direction of the apartment complex and entered a cream-colored convertible which was parked on the grocery store's parking lot. At the same time, a couple in another adjacent apartment complex saw Mary running towards their home. She was bloody and naked except for her bikini top, which had been pulled up, exposing her breasts. She made it to their front door before collapsing, bleeding profusely. Hmm. Despite rapid response from the police and emergency medical aid, Mary did die shortly thereafter. It's miraculous that Mary was able to make a run for it to the neighbors before succumbing to her injuries. Her throat had been cut from ear to ear, nearly decapitating her. She had two stab wounds to the chest, one penetrating her lung, the second penetrating her heart. The second actually passed through her heart, leaving the tip of the metal blade in her lung. She also had various defensive wounds on her arms and hands, showing that she put up a hell of a fight. An examination of the crime scene showed a bloody slaying. Her discarded bloody shorts were in the living room. Blood and hair covered the walls. A coffee table, a large pool of blood on the floor, an unopened blood-splattered purse containing money was on the coffee table as well. Ah, fuck, here we go. Friendly friends are friendly as fuck. Hey, kids, I'm Boo the Boo Bear. Hi, Boo. Let me just say that this show gets pretty hardcore. Hardcore? Yeah, here, let me show you on this squirrel. Like, normal core is if I just punch him in the face like this. The hardcore is if I bite his head off the gar- Forensic evidence shows that despite the struggle, Mary was not sexually abused before being murdered. What? During this time, Lorette was staying with a friend of his named Richard Robertson. The morning of the murder, Lorette drove Robertson to work and then borrowed his yellow Buick convertible to drive to a job interview, quote unquote. Two days later, Robertson drove Lorette to his parents' house in Topeka, Kansas. Robertson soon became concerned when news articles began linking his car to the homicide. He called Lorette to confront him about it. Eventually, Lorette admitted over the phone to killing Mary Fleming, saying that he originally went into the apartment to burglarize it, and she walked in on him. He said he killed her because she started yelling and then tried to run. By the time of these conversations, Robertson had already been in contact with the police, and they were listening in on these conversations on a telephone extension. An arrest warrant was issued, and Lorette fled to his sister's house. When confronted, he attempted suicide by slashing his neck and one wrist, but the cuts were superficial, and he was taken into custody. While in custody, Lorette proved even more how much of a dipshit he was. First... He tried to escape by trying to cut through the lock of his cell window with a hacksaw he somehow had smuggled into jail. In his butt. In in his what? In his butt. How do you... Sp- in his butt. <laughs> How do you smuggle a hacksaw uh, in your ass? What the hell else are you going to put? 
<laughs> what he put it between his toes? Come on. Prison pocket. Jeez. The but jail no. officials say they don't know how he got the hacks on blades because his only visitors were his parents. Prison pocket. And they search all packages but very I bet thoroughly. Ikea, I bet Ikea makes a hacksaw. You can assemble it later. In dude's case, post asshole. A year later, Lorette's dad, Tony Sr., attempts to hire someone to kill a few people, including sheriff's deputies, an assistant prosecuting attorney, what? and his now ex-wife. Sheesh. Doing the family proud. All as a plot to break his son out of jail and, of course, get rid of the ex. Okay, so I'm going to do my best to fit this all into one breath. Okay. Here this we go. This is Wiley Coyote shit, by yeah, the way. No, right. no kidding. Okay, so here we go. All right. The plan was for Junior to fake being sick, uh-huh. and he was then being transported to the hospital for the hitman to take out the deputies, okay. transporting Junior, and allow him to escape. Then, uh-huh. for an extra 10000 double back, and to take out the assistant St. Charles County prosecutor who was assigned to prosecute Junior, then okay. for an additional 10000 bounce over to Kansas and knock off Senior's ex-wife. Mm-hmm. Oh, and this professional-grade assassin-level hitman, he was just some random inmate in the St. Charles County lockup who was nice. about to go home because his county sentence was up. Alright, here's the plan, okay? Okay. My son's gonna fake being sick yep. and then when they take him to the hospital, you're gonna show up and kill all the guys around him, okay? okay. Then I need you to kill a judge, a bunch of cops, and then his ex-wife. Okay. Alright, now you sure you can handle that? Yep, I just came here to get some cigarettes. God damn it. Scrupulous, I'm sure. Fucking grade A dipshits all around. Yes, this is uh, a lot of really brilliant stuff as yep. far as planning. <laughs> So, so what we're going to have you do is just kill whoever's around. Okay? Right. So for, you know, we're going to do like all this shit. Kill him. So after an hour of deliberation, a jury finds Lorette guilty of the murder of Fleming and gives him the death penalty. Lorette will go on to be the state of Missouri's longest surviving death row inmate while he appeals his case over 15 years. That's insane. Mm-hmm. During this time, he has multiple interviews with Sheriff's Detective uh, J- Patricia Jewell and was able to close the books on approximately 15 murder cases. No additional charges were ever brought against Lorette as he was already sentenced to death at the time. On November 29th, 1995, after a meal of steak and shrimp with a side of baked potato, mm. fried potatoes, fried mushrooms, fried onion rings, and two cans of Coke, Sheesh. Lorette was executed via lethal injection. Huh. I would what? not pick that shit for my last meal, but that the is, steak part probably. Yeah, I kind of like the fried onions. No, no, <laughs> none of them onions. You don't get to eat none of that. Yeah, so that was our first dipshit. Okay. That All right. Dive. Thirty-one. He, some like 30, 31 people is yeah, what he said he killed. Yeah, and apparently he's just some random were, guy with no. He's got no he's specials, no some, documentaries. He's just a psycho, psycho dipshit. All right. Well, next. That's one dipshit down. Three more to go. And. Yes. So our next psycho dipshit is Donald Leroy Evans. Okay. Okay. So this guy, piece of shit. This one ends on a good note. Even though it gets pretty dark. Definitely trigger a warning on this fucking guy. Friendly fans are friendly. (laughs) It's hard to separate fact from fiction on this dipshit. Apparently, he was quite the con artist and wanted notoriety. Sources vary on how many murders he actually admitted to, the number swaying between 60 and 80 victims. Because of this, some of the legal stuff is going to get confusing. (laughs) Yay. And honestly, sources aren't really consistent either. So what we kind of know. I remember these kind of topics. 
What do we know? <laughs> well, we kind of know. Evans was born July 5th, 1957. Maybe. In Watervillette, Michigan. Okay. Watervillette. Yes. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. Watervillette, wife. Uh, one what of nine kids raised in an abusive household, or so he says. Right. He completed elementary school in Michigan, middle school in Ohio, and attended one year of high school in Brownsville, Texas before dropping out. I don't believe any of that. Evans admitted that he had difficulty with teachers and underwent extensive counseling that year and attempted suicide at 16 by using rat poison and drugs. He later joined the Marine Corps at the age of 18 in San Antonio, but was discharged a year later for psychiatric reasons. Court records show that Evans received psychiatric care in Illinois and Michigan in VA hospitals in 1978 and 1979. He spent the next years, according to him, drifting the country, raping and killing at parks and rest stops. Damn. In 1987, he was arrested and charged with sexual assault in Galveston and was sentenced to 15 years in prison. He was paroled in five. Upon release from prison, he returned to Galveston in 1991 and worked menial jobs where he could find them, conning people with stories of raising money for building a new school at a Lutheran church to having studied accounting and English composition at DePaul and taking drafting cat classes at a college in Athens, Texas. That's less than an hour from where Bodhi lives, by Ooh. the way. He would list all of this as well as research and study in theology and church history as an area of special study on job applications and most of the time would omit any reference to prison time, mm. telling people he was studying at Chicago's DePaul University those years. With a few people who knew of his prison time, he played the repentant ex-convict turned faithful churchgoer and charity worker. Mm. After losing these menial jobs, he stole a car from a friend named Joseph Witted and went on a spree cashing checks under his name and headed to Mississippi. Okay, so evidently, trigger warning shitstorm. Okay. Cue the friendly friends, just okay. saying. <laughs> <laughs> the murder of Beatrice Louise Ruth, age 10. Oh, no, uh, what? Come yeah, on. I know, my smile just left my face. <sighs> on July 28th, 1991, Tammy Giles, with her two daughters, Beatrice and Melissa, along with Sherry Lynn Vincent, her two children, her mother, and her sister, all began their journey to the Mississippi Gulf Coast in search of work and housing, initially staying in motels and shelters, then eventually living in a van they were all traveling in. On August 1st, they parked the van in Jones Park in Gulfport to let the kids play. At approximately 2 p.m., Tammy sent 10-year-old Beatrice to bum some cigarettes off a man at a payphone. Wow. Well, that wasn't a good idea. Right. Unfortunately, that man was Donald Evans. Oh, God, no. I know. Now, child, go ask that strange man for some cigarettes. Uh, the guy with the hockey mask? No, the guy next to him. The guy with the chainsaw? No, no, the other side. You mean the naked guy humping a moon boot? Yeah, look, you can see a cigarette. Sorry to my mama. Evans gave Beatrice a pack of cigarettes and followed her back to the van where he struck up a conversation with the group, convincing them that he was a former Navy SEAL who taught school in Texas. He's a stolen valor asshole, too. He then offered to buy the group goodies, uh, groceries, and requested that young Beatrice accompany him to the store to help him out. Oh, no, this is not sounding good. good. No, who would? It, what parent would ever <clears throat> say this? So Tammy agreed. Wow, the two I... set off and returned 20 minutes later with bottled water, orange juice, and ice. Oh, fuck. 
Evans and Beatrice left the park a second time, oh girl, and traveled to a nearby convenience store to buy diapers and snacks for the kids. How twice? There are two different versions of the story here as to the third time they left. Evans suggested having a barbecue, which of course he will supply the food, and also he has a friend he can contact who might be able to help the group out with an apartment in the area. But why the little? So this trip. Might take an hour or so. Who the fuck is doing what? I, I, oh, right. Okay, so this is this a, is a ten-year-old. This is a ten-year-old, and this is an ad- adult. Like, hey, let me have your daughter right. three times to just I come hang out and don't. do stuff with me. And this is in ninety-one. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. To okay, the parents, right? The parents are there. That's what it sounds like. Uh, I'm, I haven't read this script yet, right. so I'm getting this as you're getting this. Shit. And uh, I, I'm starting to get a like an upset tummy. I don't like where this is going. I don't either. So okay, moving on. Okay. One version of the story has Beatrice being apprehensive of driving alone with Evans and requesting that the other adult, Sherry, rides along, which Evans refuses. And for some reason, Beatrice's mother, Tammy, still allows her to leave with Evans. Goddamn, Tammy. Uh, Tammy, bad choice. The other version, and unfortunately the more probable, is that Tammy allows Beatrice to leave with Evans with the understanding that she's getting extra money for Beatrice to perform oral sex on Evans while they are gone. Are you kidding me? What? (sighs) Tammy is later charged for felony neglect in the sexual battery of her daughter as a lesser charge. Tammy originally admitted this to the officers searching for her daughter, but she also had the mental level of a 10 to 12-year-old herself. Mm. So... For whatever reason, Beatrice leaves the park a third time with Evans around 7 p.m. Passing into Louisiana, Evans stops to buy Beatrice ice cream and duct tape and tells her that they're just taking a longer roundabout route to ease her worries. Around St. Tammany Parish, Louisiana, Evans found a secluded wooded area and ordered Beatrice to strip, telling Uh, her there was no one there to help her and she was alone with him. Oh, fuck. He then stripped her, wrapped her mouth, and head several times with the duct tape. Okay. Friendly friends are friendly as fuck. Hey, Boo the Boo Bear here with the friendly friends. Fucking, you humans suck ass. I'm sorry you had to hear that for me. That's okay, Boo Bear. You got me coffee? Yeah, sure. I got oh. some coffee right here. Careful. Oh, 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 Skipping all the details. Yikes. Fuck Evans that then, guy. Evans then traveled back to Mississippi with Beatrice's body concealed in the back seat and later dumped her in a wooded area in Pearl River County, disposing of her clothing along the roadside. What a fucking, oh my God, this guy. Yeah, wow. When Evans and Beatrice didn't return after an hour, Sherry Vincent contacted the Gulfport Police Department. Notice it was Sherry calling the cops and not Beatrice's mother, Tammy. Sherry gave the cops the description of the vehicle and license plates, which were then tracked down to Evans's friend, Joseph Whited, whom Evans had been impersonating and therefore tracked them down to Evans. A warrant for kidnapping was issued for Evans. And after receiving information that Evans may be fleeing to either Louisiana or Florida, officers contacted the FBI to initiate a manhunt. Evans was tracked down by law enforcement and arrested August 5th, 1991 in Tangipahoa Parish, Louisiana. Hmm. Under the guidance of his girlfriend, Evans led detectives to the body of Beatrice and maintained that he wanted to stay in federal custody and wanted the death penalty. 
Even after admitting to everything, he then went to trial and later appealed his convictions. God. Why does everybody get so confused? Just fuck die, you piece of shit. Yikes. So on on August 19th, 1991, Evans pled guilty to federal kidnapping charges and was sentenced to life in prison on October 24th, 1991. Good. We get to pay for him for dozens of years. On October 15th, 1991, Evans was indicted for capital murder with the underlying felony of kidnapping and two counts of sexual battery. Following a trial on September 13th through the 18th, 1993, Evans was found guilty on all counts and sentenced to death. During this time, which was 1992, Beatrice's mother pleads guilty to felony neglect in the sexual battery of her daughter and is given two years in prison. Two years. Yeah, no shit. In 1993, Evans and two other inmates briefly escaped custody, but he was found in under 24 hours. Good. We don't need that guy out Mm -hmm. roaming around. They overpowered a guard and stole his keys. He was found hiding in a shed in a lumberyard less than a half a mile away from the jail. While serving his life sentence, Evans declared himself a serial killer and claimed up to 70 other victims. Mm. Some sources say 80 in 22 different states. Of all these claims, uh, there's definitely been two in addition to Beatrice, the 10 right. year old Beatrice be Routh. Proven. Right. So the first one, Janet Movich, a homeless woman whose body was discovered in Dayton, Florida in 1985. She'd been sexually assaulted and strangled to death. And that's linked to him? Yeah. Evans was never charged with her murder as he was already serving a death sentence for his other crimes. All right. And then the the second one is Ira Jean Smith, a 38-year-old sex worker from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Her body was found wrapped in a blanket in a motel in 1985. All right. So there's now a little note here that this sounds like this story is going to get even more absurd. Okay. So Bodie is giving us a heads up. So here, here we go. So Evans was put on trial for the murder of Ira Jean Smith, a murder that he had confessed to and given details that only the killer would know. By this time, Evans had shaved his head and declared himself a white supremacist. This dipshit sent the most insulting request to the court. And I quote, I move to require the state to accept at Broward County Jail one or two white Ku Klux Klan type robes with white hoods and neo-Nazi armbands so that the defendant can properly wear the said court clothes to all pre-trial and trial proceedings. Nope. No essential state policy is or can be observed by denying this defendant his right to appear before a jury in civilian clothes of his choice, i.e. a white Ku Klux Klan robe and hood and swastika armband, end quote. And this year's worst alien in the galaxy goes to... What's that? We have a late entry. Look at this fucking guy. What a fucking barnax anus. Good God. For real, he actually wanted to appear in court dressed like that. And found a winner there, Bodie. If that's not dumb fuck enough, he actually <laughs> requested the court to refer to him as Donald Evan, not as Donald Evans, but as High Hitler. Oh. Because that's what he started calling himself. Not Heil, 
but hi, as in hello. Oh, boy. He legit thought people were yelling, hi, Hitler. Okay. <laughs> hi, Hitler. It's guten Tag. Did he say un hi to me? Guten Tag, Hitler. I think I like it. Oh, what about hail? Whatever you say, boss. Oh, yes, I like hail. Okay. All right, so in the end, Evans pled guilty for a life sentence in the state of Florida for the death of Ira Jean Smith in 1995 and spent the next couple years appealing his death sentence. Uh. Evans later admitted that most of the confessions he made were false and that he had made a, quote, career out of leading federal authorities on multi-state fruitless searches for a seemingly non-existent victim or victims, end quote. Death penalty anyway. Fuck him. But karma comes for us all eventually. On January 5th, 1999, Evans was being led from the showers Back to his cell as another inmate named Jamie Jimmy Mack, mm. a 29-year-old man on death row for beating a man to death in 1990. Foreshadowing. Was simultaneously being led from his cell to the showers. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you know it, somehow Mack just happened to have a shank handy. How'd this get here? And the white supremacist child rapist killer Evans just happened to get in the way of his knife uh, whoopsie, whoopsie. an untold number of times. Whoopsie, whoopsie. It, the word corrections officers whoopsie. used to describe the incident was... Was quote unquote gourd. Hey. He was gourd. Gourd. Nice word. Huh. Kind of fitting. So corrections officers wouldn't comment if they believed the goring was racially motivated or not. Oh. Either way, gourd. Had to do part with that child more than anything. Fucking guy. Wow. Okay. So Bodhi, when we said dipshit files, uh, you went and found he went, dipshit. He went hard on this one. Dipshit. I mean, we've talked about dipshits before, but yeah, this guy. This fuck. Good. That one. That was a rough one. That All right, was rough. Okay. So whoo, shake it out. Shake it out. <laughs> okay. All right. This next one. Okay, y'all are gonna have to be patient with me. Uh, this is this person's name is Yang Shinhai. And I'm going to do my best to pronounce all of these words. Okay. And we're going to start off with a quote. Okay. When I killed people, I had a desire to kill more. This inspired me to kill more. I don't care if they observe to live or not. It is none of my concern. I have no desire to be a part of society. Society is not my concern. End quote. Surprisingly, that was Thomas the Train. (laughs) Not much is known of one of China's most prolific serial killers, Yang Jinhai. He was born July 17, 1968. Some sources list July 29th in Shenyang County, Henan, China. The youngest of four children in a very impoverished family, Yang is said to be a bright and imaginative youth, but dropped out of school at the age of 17 and traveled the countryside as a laborer. Twice, he was sent to re-education through labor camps for theft in 1988 and 1991 in Xinji province and Hebei province. He was sentenced to five years in prison in 1996 for an attempted rape in Zumadian, Henan province. He was released in 1999. He's a busy piece of shit. According to Yang, when released from prison, he wanted to settle down, get married, and raise a family. No. He'd even begun dating a woman. No. When she found out about his prior prison time for rape, she left him. Good for her. Mm -hmm. After being dumped, Yang said he desperately wanted to retaliate against society and began his random reign of terror and trail of death across four provinces. And he did. In the end, Yang was proven guilty of 67 murders and 23 rapes over the course of four years. Yikes. 67 murders. So he must be very famous. Good. Okay, so Yang traveled the countryside by bicycle, stealing here and there and doing menial jobs when necessary. I'm seeing a pattern. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing a pattern? Yeah. 
Drifty. They're drifters. They're drifters, yeah. His primary life goal uh, by now, though, was carnage. He would intentionally wear baggier clothing and larger shoes to make it more difficult to be identified. When an opportunity would present itself to rob or rape, he would take it and kill anyone and everyone around who might walk in or be a witness. Wow. He killed men and women, from the children to the elderly. Yang killed entire families, primarily with hammers and tools at hand. Sheesh. He would acquire new hammers or tools for murders and then throw them in rivers or bury them in his bloodied clothes and then move on. Moving on. On November 3rd, 2003, during a routine check at a nightclub in Kangzhou Haibei, Yang was stopped and questioned due to his erratic and peculiar behavior. He seems like he would be a guy that would just kind of ooze erratic Ooze? (laughs) He doesn't walk, he oozes. He exudes it. Oozingly. When questioned, it was discovered that he was on the national most wanted list. Upon his arrest, Yang confessed to 67 murders and 23 rapes in 22 attacks spanning four years. Wow. DNA evidence also linked him to these crimes. Mm. Yang was convicted on February 1st, 2004. He chose not to appeal his conviction and was executed by gunshot to the head. Wow. On February 14th, 2004. Fucking A. Ten, Put that on the table in America for pedophiles and there's, shit. There's a note here. Ten years to the day of Andre Chikatilo's execution by the same method, by the way. Oh, yeah. Happy That's Valentine's right. Day, dipshit. What this big deal? Want the rest of shame, cock. All right, so moving on to number four. Holy fuck, we're almost through this horrible, horrible shit. All right, so this guy is Samuel Little. Okay. The worst drifting dipshit you've probably never heard of. Wait, oh, they're, they're getting no. worse? No, I they think they're get getting worse. worse. I don't want it to get worse. Oh, thanks a lot, Bodie. Uh, so this guy, according to the FBI, is actually America's most prolific serial killer. Okay. Have you ever heard of him? Because I sure hadn't. hadn't no, I Sam haven't heard Little? of this guy. Really. Little has confessed to, holy crap, Little has confessed to 93 victims, Whoa. which isn't unheard of as loads of killers boast of high numbers of kills. Right. What is different about Little is that the FBI was already confirmed 50 of his kills and assert that all his confection, confessions are credible. Yikes. The FBI gives so much credence to his confessions they have a page dedicated to him on the FBI.gov website where they have posted his videoed confessions and his drawings of his as yet unknown victims with the hope the public might be able to f- help finally identify all of the victims. Jeez. Jesus. Little murdered women in 19 states over the course of 35 years from 1970 to 2005 so this asshat was born (laughs) samuel mcdowell later little june 7th 1940 in reynolds georgia way to go georgia to a 16 year old prostitute named bessie may little and one of her clients 19 year old paul mcdowell oh bessie and paul what have you done so from the start we're off to a good beginning for sammy boy so little's family moved to lorraine ohio and he was brought up primarily by his grandmother. Mm. Needless to say, Sammy Boy's parents weren't attending any PTA meetings, mm-hmm. and damn, someone should have been, because okay. according to him, he began to have sexual fantasies about strangling women as a child. That kind of speaks to the nature-nurture thing a little bit. That's a Ooh. lot of nature there. That's well, a, okay, so like starting when he saw his kindergarten teacher touch her neck. Oh. Kindergarten. 
Yeah, that's 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 pretty he, fucking yeah. How much TV did he watch? There I, were no video games. I don't know. Was it Grand Theft Auto? Hmm? So as a teenager, he collected true crime magazines. Oh, there's that thing again. This is the third uh, incident of that right. uh, that depicted women being choked. Mm. In 1956, he was sent to an institute for juvenile offenders after being convicted for breaking and entering in Omaha, Nebraska. Between 1957 and 1975, Sammy Boy was arrested 26 times in 11 states, including Ohio, Maryland, Florida, Massachusetts, California, Oregon, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Arizona, Illinois, and Georgia. Hmm. A record Angus can aspire to. <laughs> well, I'm right there. <laughs> Charges include shoplifting. Theft, assault, rape, aggravated assault on a police officer, DUI, fraud, breaking and entering, and soliciting a prostitute. Some things on here are not okay for an Angus, though. (laughs) None of that stuff would an Angus do. The most time he spent incarcerating during this time was three years for breaking into a furniture store in Lorraine in 1961. In 1971, or 72, according to his confessions, he strangled an 18- or 19-year-old woman in Miami, Florida, leaving her body in the Everglades. Mm. Sammy Boy remembered her name as Marianne. In 1975, according to his confession, Sammy Boy murders Martha Cunningham of Knox County, Tennessee. She isn't identified until December of 2018. In December of 1976, he's convicted of assaulting Pamela K. Smith with the intent to ravish rape in Sunset Hills, Missouri, and is sentenced to three months in county jail. I don't even want to know what ravish rape is. I don't, is, I don't I even know guess, what that is. Yeah. So That's... three whole months in county lockup for assault with the intent to ravish rape. I, I want to know what ravish rape is. I don't know what that is. Around 1977 to 1978, he murdered a Jane Doe who has still been unidentified, even though she is one of four murder convictions this guy received from Cuyahoga County, Ohio. In 1978, he murdered Julia Critchfield in the Gulfport area and tossed her body off a cliff. Also in 1978, he confessed to murdering an Evelyn Weston near Fort Jackson, South Carolina. May 1981, Sammy Boy strangles Linda Sue Boards in Warren County, Kentucky. In October 1981, Anna Stewart was last seen getting out of a cab to see her sister at the General Hospital in Cincinnati. Her body was dumped in Grove City, Ohio. It's confusing here because there is another woman who's been abducted and murdered sometime between 1980 and 1999, who was a Jane Doe aged between 15 and 50, and another woman he met in Akron and dumped in Kentucky that he has no details for. So Sammy is listed as being convicted for the murders of Anna Stewart and Jane Doe in Cincinnati. So in 1982, they almost got this guy. So it goes like this. Sammy Boys picked up by the cops in Pascagoula for shoplifting. Just a couple weeks before, a body had been found in a Gautier, Mississippi cemetery belonging to Melinda LaPree. Well, Mrs. LaPree had been last seen in Pascagoula getting into a brown wood paneled station wagon with a man later identified as this Sam Little. Right. During the investigation, two prostitutes came forward and alleged that Sammy Boy had assaulted them in 1980 and 1981. 
So here's Sam getting looked into for his little five-finger discount indiscretion in Pascagoula, and the police realize that he looks a lot like the suspect in the Lepre murder. Little is charged with murder and aggravated assault of the two prostitutes, but a grand jury chooses not to indict this guy. Uh, I bet they felt like dipshits later on. While Sammy Boy is being investigated for the Lepree murder, he is extradited to Florida and tried for the murder of Patricia Mount, whose body was found the previous September. Prosecution witnesses identified Sam as the last person who spent time with Mount the night before her disappearance. But due to witness credibility, Sammy Boy was acquitted in January of 1984. To celebrate, he picked up a, quote, hippie chick, end quote, outside a strip club, strangled her in the backseat of his car, and left her body atop a small hill on the side of the road. Wow. So on to California. Like a six-pack of beer these Jeez. people are to him. On to, yeah, cruising through L.A. on the I-10, Sammy picks up a woman, kills her, has sex with her corpse on a service road, then drags her halfway up a hill and just leaves her there. Sloppy, lazy, necrophilia. Oh, God, this is just getting gross. Friendly friends are friendly as fuck. What do you want from me and the friendly friends? Yeah, what are we going to do about yeah, We can't help that you humans are out of your minds. <laughs> Wait, why is Barfield the friendly friend? Me and Barfield are buddies. <laughs> Wait, why is Fermi the first mammal a friendly friend? Because I'm a friendly friend. What happened to the original friendly friends? <laughs> what do you mean they all died? He means they all died. Now, Dick the Knot Horse? <laughs> this crossover is confusing. Now, leave us friendly friends alone. Yeah. October 1984, Sammy is chilling around San Diego. He gets arrested for kidnapping, beating, and strangling Lori Barrios, who survived. One month later, what kind of bail bond did he have to pay for that? The cops find him in the backseat of his car with a beaten and strangled woman who is lucky to still be alive, though unconscious, and in the same location as his attack on Barrios. These attacks and attempted murders get him two and a half years in prison. That's it. Upon his release in 1987, he moved to L.A. and immediately gets to murdering. He kills 10 more women in L.A. Here's the speed round. July 1987, Carol Elford found dead in South L.A. Alley. August 1987, Audrey Nelson found dead in downtown L.A. trash bin. September 89, Guadalupe Apodaca found dead in commercial garage in South L.A. 1990, two Florida murders and Zena Marie Jones, a woman from Memphis. 1992, he kills a shoplifting partner of his in Little Rock, Arkansas. Hmm. 1993, killed a woman in Las Vegas hotel room and dumped her body in the outskirts of the city. 1996, back to L.A., he strangles a woman in an abandoned house, attempts some porse post-mortem anal sex? Friendly friends are friendly as fuck. Nope, nope, there's nothing cute furry animals can do for you people. Go and get the fuck out of the friendly forest. Post-mortem anal sex? Unsuccessfully. Props her body in a bathtub and leaves. Oh my god. Damn. In 1990 through 2006, this guy runs into law enforcement in seven different states for DUI, burglary, theft, and shoplifting, amongst other charges. He never gets caught for murder. In 2007, he's arrested for possession of cocaine in L.A., pleads guilty, and is given a drug diversion program, which he never shows up to. Judge orders a bench warrant, non-extraditable. This guy's just doing whatever the fuck he wants. He's just chaos. In 2007 to 2012, this guy runs into law enforcement 
dozens of times. But as his warrant is non-extraditable, authorities have to let him go. Okay. Okay, so now we're going to talk about his capture. Okay. April 2012, LAPD detective Mitzi Roberts gets a DNA match on the Nelson and Apodaca cases and then a DNA match on the statewide offender database on Sammy Boy. She knows who her killer is. September 2012, Detective Roberts receives a phone call from a Louisiana sheriff's deputy saying they've traced an ATM purchase by Sam to Louisville, Kentucky. He's living in a nearby homeless shelter and arrested on his outstanding narcotics warrant. While serving a three-year sentence on the narcotics charge, detectives get a third DNA match on the Elford case to our boy here. Mm. September 2014, he's tried for the murders of Elford, Nelson, and Apodaca. Prosecution brings out DNA evidence as well as multiple witnesses who were attacked by this guy throughout his career as a criminal. Mm. On September 25th, 2014, Sammy Boy was sentenced to three life sentences without the possibility of parole. Now it gets interesting, Bodhi says. Mm. So let's talk about VICAP real quickly. VICAP. The FBI's Violent Criminal Apprehension Program. Ah, okay. Established by the Department of Justice in 1985, the FBI's Violent Criminal Apprehension Program, or VICAP, serves law enforcement agencies across the nation by providing a free repository for behavioral and investigative information related to solved and unsolved crimes such as homicides or attempts, sexual assaults, missing persons, unidentified human remains where the manner of death is known or suspected to be a homicide. VICAP services include crime analysis, the creation of maps, timelines, and matrices, information dissemination, the facilitation and coordination of communication between agencies, task force assistance, and the development and maintenance of VICAP web. So when LA got the DNA hits on this guy, they entered their information into VICAP and asked the FBI to do a full background on them. The FBI found an alarming pattern and compelling links to many, many more murders. VICAP reached out to the Texas Rangers with one clear connection, quote, we found a case out of Odessa, Texas that sounded very much like him, and we would like to place him passing through the area around that same time, end quote. Now, this was the quote from crime analyst Christina Pelozo. Okay. Uh, she had worked on cases with Angela Williamson, uh, who's a Department of Justice senior policy advisor and VICAP liaison. Okay. So, quote, we sent that lead out to the Texas Rangers and we're eager to follow up on the long cold case, end it's, quote. It's good to get Chuck Norris involved. <laughs> so, Pelozo and Williamson accompanied Ranger James Holland to California to interview this guy about the murder of Denise Brothers. With a written agreement to suspend the death penalty for his confession, Sammy Boy started telling Ranger Holland more than he could have ever dreamed. Hmm. They arranged for this guy to be extradited to Texas, where over the course of hundreds of hours of interviews, pizza, and Dr. Pepper, he confessed to 93 murders in great detail. VICAP corroborated a majority of these murders, which led to the FBI's declaring legitimacy to his confessions and status as America's most prolific serial killer. Wow. December 13th, 2018, Sammy Boy was convicted of the murder of Denise Brothers in Odessa. January 23rd, 2019, he was convicted of the murders of Annie Jo Stewart, 
Mary Jo Payton, Rose Evans, and Jane Doe of Ohio, and Zena Jones of Memphis, Tennessee. This dipshit died on December 30th of 2020 in an L.A. County area hospital. Damn. Never heard of this person. This, this is, wow. Right? California Department of Corrections doesn't list a cause of death, but he was suffering from diabetes, heart problems, and other health issues. I hope he suffered greatly. And yeah, yeah. Goodbye. Bye, bitch. Bye, fucker. All right. Well, let's talk about it on the other side of uh, the thingy. And as always, what do our dipshits think about the dipshits? So what connects these four dipshits? Well, it's the um, drifting. It's the it's the drifting, yeah. And the shifty eyes. <laughs> well, you know, this is the first time I've actually jumped into a script without reading it first. Right. And I did it on purpose um because I wanted to be just as surprised as y'all. Yeah. And that was We chal- were. That was that was a challenge it for was. me. Uh woo. So big thank you to Bodhi, yes. quartermaster Bodhi Sunyata. Yep, thanks for, for the, research the research and there. and all of that. It's just absolutely crazy. I didn't know about any of these people Mm-mm. at all. I can't believe he passed away 2020. I know. Uh what Little, Sam Little? Sam Little. I yeah. can't believe I hadn't heard that name me before. Me neither. Especially working at Time Suck. It's like Well, it sounds familiar to me, but I didn't know i i don't think i knew of any of these people or any of this stuff so i'm yeah. sure somebody that listens to time suck will be like oh yeah yeah they Dan did a did whole him. episode like, yeah. right he always did i I'm, never i i got there like 130 something or yeah somewhere in there, so. i'm sure he's probably done it yeah. but yeah new to me uh pretty pretty fucking crazy all four of these people were new to me there's nothing you can do when there's just people you know, running well, around the world. Yeah, they're just well, these individuals for whatever reason, they're just rolling through life mm-hmm. detached. Yeah. You know, like a tumbleweed. Well, and like, they're just a tumbleweed with with nefarious intentions. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, one guy, I mean, it seems like they just I he celebrated by killing a woman and discarding her body. It's like getting a bottle of booze. I know. And just tossing the bottle and you it's know, just, it's like wow. I don't I don't get How do you it. Think of things like that. But it does, as drifters, they are hard to track. Hmm. You know, they don't have rental history. They, you know, driver's licenses or whatever. Right. Um, so I can understand how this could be considered a, uh, uh, how would they put that? Like a category? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Serial killer drifters. Um, but evidently, there's very little to no... Uh, investigation or like research into this um, psychological psychologically as far as the aspect I don't know is it too vague it it could very well be there's probably quite a few drifters that don't kill anybody that's exactly it I think there's I think these four are uh, the vast minority right imagine being a drifter he's sitting on a train or something Mm -hmm. he's fucking sitting on a bus across from one of these killers he's Mm -hmm. just sitting there like that guy's for sure a serial killer right (laughs) what do i do (laughs) well you know eye contact with him oh fuck there's so it seems to me that potentially there's more because they do have that drifter nature right um we may not know about them right but i think there is a bit of a danger there to saying that drifters are serial killers. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? Or that, you know, there's a propensity for serial killers when you're a drifter. Right. Hashtag because, not most. Right. Well, because it, it kind of makes any type of vagabond lifestyle suspect. And, right. Yeah. And I don't, I would love to be, if I could take my garden and my chickens with me, I'd love <sighs> to drive around and be a vagabond. Yeah. As long as I don't have to talk to people. A roamer, a wanderer. <laughs> no shit, right? Right. So, <clears throat> I don't know. 
first time I heard about these people, um, yeah. I'm not sure if I want to dive into a script and record it without having proof read because like, we, we tried caught, a new thing this time. It caught me. It was giving me a stomach ache, but yeah, I usually the, the little kid thing. I know I get through the tummy stuff mm-hmm. in my research and right. my writing. So that way, you know, I'm kind of got a callus. I've grown a scab right prior to reading. This was just raw road rash. (laughs) We were experiencing. We all experienced it together. Yes, we did. So that's the first one of its kind. Yes, it was. Right. Well, thank you again to Bodhi for writing that for us. Yes. And that's all we have for today, I think. Yeah. That's four pieces of shit that we're not giving them any rankings, any that. No, they're just fucking terrible, awful awful humans. Dipshit. Glad they're dead. Yeah. Personally. Same here. All right. Thank you for listening to the Dipshit Files number 42. Mrs. Cryptkeeper, thank you for uh, presenting that to us. Thank you, Bodhi, for the script. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Info at scatcast.com is how you get a hold of us and Mm -hmm. let us know if there's something you want us to cover Mm -hmm. or let us know how we're doing. You know, you Mm -hmm. can pat us on the back or call us a bunch of shitheads, you know. (laughs) But if you call my wife names, I'm coming for you. Uh, (laughs) Scatcast.com gets you our universe and Mm -hmm. all of our merch and all that stuff. Patreon is the place where we like to go mm-hmm. uh, to really support us. And we've got lots of bonus stuff in there. Uh, thank you to the trusted turd triad, Don, the shitbox wizard, Chris, the discord dookie slayer. And of course, Bodie, who wrote the fucking script. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Bodie. So thanks, that's, guys. That's one of the things he does. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank you to the Godhead. Thank you to the garbage disposal. And thank you to all of you guys who are smearing that scat all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a f- already a wonderful year of growth. Yes. And we're only just a few weeks into the year. Yeah. Well, fucking take it. Let's do it. <laughs> And uh, check out Booby Cubes online. Booby Cubes. Real life. Real life Booby Cubes. <laughs> so thank you, Lucifina Lightbringer. And yes. all of the folks in the Fat Cat world and all of our alley cats and our uh, inside mm-hmm. scoopers and our scat cats and our littermates. So and thank you to you for listening, even if you don't give us money. Fuck. That's fine, too. And as always, we'll talk at you in the future. It'll seem like the present. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bing, bing, bong, 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 bong,